Hey everyone, and welcome back to our third episode of Conversations with Essa. Um, we've called this series so far, which is covering the lifespan of an economic student, uh, student cycles, the busts and booms of being an economic student. And today we're talking about internships. So my name is Michelle and I'm currently the president for ESSA of 2020 um, and I'm here with Sasha, our um, secretary as well, who you heard from the first episode as well. So thanks for coming back, Sasha. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so today we're um, going to be talking in depth about internships, basically from the beginning of where to apply for, like what to apply for, um, through to the application process in full from our experiences and then also what it's been like we found working in an internship um and yeah so we'll just hopefully be able to give you some insight into all of the ins and outs and hopefully you guys will take something away from it yeah um hopefully this podcast will be a really this episode in particular will be a really good way to debunk the myths because i think going into it last year michelle and i are both final year students and so last year um was our big year of applying for everything, all the internships. And I think I'm sure that I can speak the same for Michelle saying that going into the experience was super scary because we had no idea what to expect and what the process yeah. was like. And I think we were really lucky that we had older peers who'd been through the process who'd kind of explained everything to us. And so um, we're going to be doing the same thing for you guys, especially can, given the current times at the moment. I think hopefully mm. the hopefully this can help just sort of make you understand the process a little bit better. Um, so as for my experience, I am studying a law commerce degree with a major in economics. And so I was really trying to keep my options open throughout last year and just get some experience wherever I could, because I was interested in as trying out as many areas as possible. And that's something that Michelle and I are going to be talking about a little bit later on in terms of where to apply. But so I started out the year applying for a couple of the big four consulting firms just to get experience in some consulting areas. Um, but I was also quite interested in getting some experience in law. And so later on in the year, I did apply for a couple of legal internships. And so um, I've had some experience in both areas. And I'd like to think that some of the, while the processes are different, the there are some elements that are quite similar. And I feel like I've got good enough experience from the many applications mm. that I have had to do yes. that hopefully I'll be able to translate and apply um, my experience, especially in the legal ones, which I did do more of apply them back to commerce. In the end, I did end up doing um, my internships in law firms, but hopefully I can also translate that into my experiences generally in an internship and that that can apply regardless of where you end up. Um, Michelle, what's your story? Cool. Yeah. So I've um, done two internships um, so far. So um, I'm also in my final year of law and commerce with an economics major. And I'd say that my experiences have been more commerce and policy focused, um, which is a nice compliment to Sasha's as well. Um, we'll be able to cover sort of a good range of experiences. So we can talk about economics in particular, but also just in general, because the processes are quite similar between them anyway. Um, but yeah, so I've worked with a big four consulting firm at, at, in their vacation program um, and specifically in the economics department there. Um, and also I've done a sort of more policy based government internship as well so yeah hopefully for those two um they both had quite rigorous um application processes as did i know um all of sasha's uh, legal ones as well so we can definitely dive deep into those application processes yeah i think between the two of us we've definitely had our fair share of experiences um throughout the, going through the whole process and going through the interviews and hopefully we can pass on some useful tips and at the very least talking about our experiences will help you 
alleviate your nerves and understand the process a little bit better because I think that's what really helped us going through the process listening to others. Um, maybe on that note, let's actually just talk about briefly what is an internship? Why mm. would we want to do it? Yeah. Um, so firstly, I was really confused before of the process, like of the concept of vacationing, vacationing rather than interning. It's just the same thing, which it's, I think mostly only big four firms really use the term vacationing. Um, but it's essentially an internship. Um, and you just basically apply most of the, mostly during your um, penultimate year. So your second to last, and you get to spend the summer or a winter just working with that firm in a particular team. Um, and yeah, get a taste for what the firm's like in a short period, mostly around, uh, like shortest you'll probably have is like four weeks on average and then you might have something up to two months if it's the whole summer period um, but anywhere in that period just being placed with the team and seeing how that all goes with them and helping out um, you know with the work that they're doing and helping out around the office um, so you're really getting a taste for what it's like working there. Yeah and I think that a really great benefit of doing the internship is a lot of the time you are eligible to be considered for their graduate programs that's getting a full-time offer with them for the next year and I think that's a really great incentive um, as to why you would want to do an internship not all places necessarily offer that so there's something to be aware of but at the yeah. very least another good advantage of doing an internship is getting that work experience under your resume having some real mm. life practical experience seeing whether you actually enjoy the work that you're doing and so even if you don't enjoy the internship I think that it's a really great way for you to reflect and think why didn't I enjoy it where what is my true passion so I think that's a really great skill um, and another bonus that we thought we might mention is a really great thing about getting an internship is you can get it credited as a capstone unit for commerce, um, which mm -hmm. Michelle did end up doing. And yeah. so I think that it's a really great way to just do a subject over summer, um, essentially. So you just write a couple of reflections or do a bit, a little bit of work around your internship and you get it ticked off and you can potentially underload it in your final year if you're a commerce student. Yeah. And I would say that like, you so with Will for commerce, there are two options. You can get a sourced internship, so through the faculty in the Will program, or if you find your own internship, you can then just get it credited while yeah doing some assessments along the way. Um, so yeah, definitely have a look into it. There are so many different periods for Will because they do accommodate for Michelle. What is Will? Work integrated learning is what Will is. Um, but yeah, so the capstone unit for commerce students, and oh. yeah, like they're basically offered summer A, summer B. Um, and winter so it will capture and also during semesters so it will capture your internship whenever you do it um, just make sure to keep an eye on your like application dates because they can be a bit they're quite far in advance of when you start but if you if it kind of just slips your mind you might just miss it so yeah do just check out the will um, website to know when you need to apply for the unit um, and then you can submit all your documents and stuff then yeah great I think that's probably summed up what exactly is an internship and why we want to do it fairly well maybe we should move into places to apply for yeah sounds good um but yeah so we've kind of just like drawn up a list that we kind of like looked into when we were applying for things um and basically like the internships that you would hear about a lot um but we also just want to preface and say that you don't have to go for these like big name internships or like places that everyone knows there are so many other internships available if you look on Career Connect where they might be with a smaller boutique firm and your experiences there will be just as valuable if not more sometimes than the ones that you get at a big four or a bank or something like that because we'll, talk, we'll touch on it a bit later on but your internship really 
stems a lot on like the relationships you make and like the people you meet. So, you know, you have just a good chance, just a good of a chance as making like good and lasting impressions at a small firm than you do at a big firm. Um, but with that out of the way, um, I think for both of us, like the list that we kind of came up with were obviously big four for commerce related, um, uh, work, um, banks, um, and then with some economics in particular, we've got sort of, um, think tanks and specific economic advisory firms such as Graden and Frontier Economics, um, and then also government departments. So you have like Department of Treasury and Finance, um, and all the other departments along with some of the more, um, specialist bodies like the ACCC, um, ASIC, um, and, you know, any of the more regulatory bodies. Um, and then also firms that, you know, like companies that you might just see around, they often have internship programs, which are, um, open to business students and commerce students, such as like Coles, Woolies and Telstra. Um, and those are also really great experiences too. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, there's a, there's always, there's always that discussion of, you know, public versus private firms. And so Mm. I think that, um, I think it's really great to try to get a bit of an experience, um, and just sort of learn a little bit about the different styles of work you might have at both types. So private firms are typically where you'll have clients that you that come to you and recruit you to do work for them. So the big four consulting firms, and so if in case you don't know what the big four are, that's EY, Deloitte, PwC, and KPMG. They, um, they're, they're known as auditing and accounting firms, but they do work... Um, consulting with different firms or they'll do like the accounting work for different firms but they have a lot of different disciplines within them so that's what the big four are hopefully the other one the other ones that michelle listed make a little bit more sense to you um yes. the public for uh, like a public sector work is typically working for for government and so you don't necessarily have a client you're kind of doing work across the board for the public for the community and i think what's really great about mm. michelle's experience is that within her two internships she has done both public and private. So you might be able to touch on that a little bit later on too. Yeah, definitely. They're very different experiences. um, And I don't know if we're going to have enough time to like fully delve into the differences, but yeah, it really depends on maybe where you personally want to work in the future, like where you want to maybe land a grad job at or just be once you graduate from uni. Um, And then obviously it's going to, we only have so many summers, so it is quite hard to get a taste of everything. But if you get, if you try out something and then you realize that maybe it's not so much for you, that's just as valuable as finding something that you are really interested in as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, another point to mention is if you are looking for the sort of more boutique style work, I think a really great place to keep out, keep an eye out for opportunities is our Career Connect gate, um, Career Gateway. Um, this is for Monash students. Um, so it does list a lot of different um, opportunities for work. Um, in maybe more smaller areas. And so that's another great place to keep an eye out for for things like that. Um, I think moving on to the timeline of when to apply, because I think that that's probably the the most awful feeling would be to find out that you have missed the deadline for applications. And what tends to happen is a lot of places actually open up surprisingly early. And I Mm. was only aware of it because one of my friends let me know about it. So I think that's something that we can pass yeah. on to you guys. Um, a lot of internships open throughout the year, especially for commerce. And I'll just preface that by just briefly saying that for law, the application timeframe is later in the year and it is a very specific, um, like allocated time. That's applications are open from July to August for pretty much the majority of the law firms. However, commerce firms were quite different in that 
most of the applications were around February, March, but then you'd also have firms that pop up May, June, July, August. And so being aware of those dates is really important. One thing that I found was very helpful for me, and I got this advice from a friend, was Monash holds the Careers Expo earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. I think it's about March. And they also launched their career, the, the Graduate Career Guide or something like that. Yeah. And so it lists the top 100 employers of... Um, like of, of graduates and I flicked through that and I would look at all the different companies that I thought might be relevant to me that might be interesting with, in terms of what I was doing and I would search them up or if the if the booklet would often say what their deadline was but otherwise I would search it online and I literally created a table list of the place the company um, when their applications open um, and something to be aware of is the big four tend to open up pretty much even before semester starts, so February. So mm. even staying on top of that over before the summer you apply, I think is very important. Michelle, anything to add? Yeah, definitely. It's like it really sneaks up on you when all of these things open and then suddenly close. So um, yeah, definitely um, keep an eye on that even before you go into your penultimate year. I think that's the best best time to really be like canvassing where you want to work and their timelines, um, and even. I think very importantly, um, Ro- uh, Rosie and Emma touched on it last week, but there are a lot of pre-penultimate programs out there, um, especially for big four. So I know each of them run a program where you'll like experience the firm for like a day or two in your pre-penultimate year. So that'll be like your third year of a five-year degree, second of a four-year degree, or first year of a third-year degree. So you get in um, early have some experiences and what the benefit there is you get to do an like early um, application processes a lot of the time as well. So you might be able to sneak in before they open um, later, like at the actual time of the year, um, which is really beneficial. And also just means that you know, they, they're keeping you updated with their programs. So you will get emails um, of them being like, Hey, it's time to apply again and stuff like that. Um, which I might add, you can, do as well without being part of the pre-penultimate programs a lot of the big four and other firms you can sign up for their like newsletters and or like career recruitment um sort of emails and so you'll get emails from them directly which also they'll they'll send through like an email the day before it's due being like hey have you guys submitted yet because it's due tomorrow um which is good i think it's a good little reminder yeah, I never knew about the pre-penultimate programs and I kick myself to this day about it. So um, they sounded like a really great opportunity. So yeah, definitely do that. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly recommend those um, pre-penultimate programs. Um, I did two myself and one of them did lead to my um, big four internship. And it's it just shows really that you are committed to the firm. Like if, you're, if you have been doing the research and like you've heard of the program um, before the internships, it shows that you've cared about the firm almost or like you're interested in what they do. Um, and I think they really value that, that, you know, you you're, you can show that you really want to be there as opposed to you really just want any internship. Yeah. And I think that's a really, really important point. Um, let's have a look at the prerequisites of where you have to be and what, what, what potentially what standard you have to be at mm. for um, applying for these internships. So as Michelle and I have been discussing that it, it is generally your second last year of your degree, so your penultimate year. A lot of firms tend to be quite reluctant to take on yeah. lower level students because they are a lot of the time these are gateways to a graduate role. So you do it the summer yeah. before your final year. So it doesn't really make yeah. sense for them to have anyone earlier. That being said, Michelle, you did do an internship before the second last year of your degree so 
Yeah. So I would say that um, most firms will clearly say whether or not they take only uh, penultimate students or they are open to um, earlier year students. Um, And definitely just keep like, look at that and take that at its value. Um, For Big Four, I know it's normally only penultimate students. And the one that I applied for, the policy one um, in government, it was open to basically all your students apart from first so that was quite good um so knowing that it actually was open I then applied for it um I wouldn't apply for things where it does specifically say penultimate only and you're applying before then because I don't know it kind of shows that you you're not taking their requirements as seriously and um I know a lot of the times it's scary stories I don't know if it's maybe true but sometimes they'll just be like oh like why did you apply now we can't offer you anything um so yeah just take that in mind and I'll also say it's definitely more beneficial doing an internship I think in your penultimate year um like Sasha said it's often you know leading to a grad role and I would say the one that I did before my penultimate year was more just work experience rather than leading to a grad role because I was quite early on into my degree and um like the like the department that I was in knew that as well so they weren't really even thinking about offering me a grad role um and I wasn't thinking about grad roles at the time anyway so um yeah I feel like your penultimate year is the one where you should really be thinking about it and you don't have to think about it too early either yeah I think that's so important I think being aware of why you're doing the internship is super important Mm. if you're doing it in the hopes of getting a grad role that your approach might be a little bit more different to say you're trying to get some work experience earlier on in your degree um so yeah hopefully we've clarified the penultimate status um well I think a lot of the time there's a very common question of um what grades do I need is there a minimum cutoff Mm. and I think it really really depends and I don't think Michelle and I can give a a clear answer because it's very like no firm is going to post oh you need to have a minimum 80 wham or anything like that and from my experiences from what I've heard um people get in with lower whams than you may expect and the reason for that is that their application stands out for a different reason and it might be that they've done some great extracurriculars or had some great work experience stuff that Emma and Rosie discussed in our previous podcast it may be that their cover letter showed that they were really passionate about um, the firm and it really stood out to the employer so it might be something else so I would say don't discount yourself um, because of your grades you might have something else to offer or the firms just might see something in you, or it may be that you just meet the cutoff requirement they may have, and you never know what that is. Yeah, 100%. Like, grades, I think we go through uni thinking that they count for so much, because in high school they did. But once you really do get to the application process for internships and grad roles, it really, really is about your extracurriculars and what you have involved yourself in and what you are passionate about. Um, They might have a cutoff mark for grades they might not and you don't know that but for the most part like Sasha said it is a lot lower than you might expect because they a lot of firms know better than anyone that um a good sort of worker or good employee doesn't stem from someone who has a 90 wham it stems from someone who's well-rounded who's had experiences before and um, knows how to balance their grades and being involved in other things um so yeah don't let grades deter you um if anything make sure that you are becoming involved in things that um yeah Rosie and um, Emma mentioned last last episode and things that will make you stand out I think that's super important and I think that I might just also add that 
from what I have heard in terms of like, this is absolute rumors. I have, this is not coming from recruiters, but just from what I've heard spilling from the tea. people generally, this is the tea. We are spilling the tea here. <laughs> um, but um, what I've heard is that if firms do have a WAM cutoff, whatever that may be, it tends to be just because they get an influx of applications. And it's not that they don't think yeah. that you're good enough or anything like that. It's just, they have so many applications they do want to filter them. So they may have mm-hmm. a cutoff of some kind, but after that, what they look at to try to narrow it down even more is they'll look at what experience you've had whether it be work experience whether it be extracurricular involvement things like that like any competitions that you may have done at university Mm -hmm. like case case comps um and so what i think that that demonstrated to me is you know say you have an 80 wham that's and but you Mm -hmm. have nothing else um you're not really going to get very far and they'll look at someone with maybe a lower wham that might have a little bit more to offer so i think what Michelle said, and we'll touch on that a lot more when we get to the actual interview process in just a moment, is you really need to be well-rounded. And I think that's probably the most important key feature that has come out of our experiences applying for roles. A hundred percent. Cool. In that case, we might actually dive into the process of applying. I know this is maybe like the most daunting process for a lot of people. And it's definitely the one that where you haven't experienced before is the most unclear and the scariest to go into. Um, So we'll try to talk about the different um, stages of the process in a little bit of detail. So hopefully it makes you a bit more comfortable when you actually start applying yourself. Yeah, I think it might be good just to give a brief overview of the process start to finish, and then we'll dive into a little bit more depth in terms of what what that actually means and um, any tips that we have found worked for us Mm -hmm. over the last year or so. So um, briefly, um, in a nutshell, you'll apply online for the program. You will probably have to submit your resume and potentially a cover letter for the firm as well. They may also ask you a couple of questions. So that may be like general, um, I'm so sorry, I keep on hearing construction noise outside. I am hoping that does not come across in this podcast, but I'm so sorry if that's the case. yeah, where, where was I at? So you'll apply online and you may have to answer a couple of questions, um, whether that be just details about your, um, you know, your name, your age, your date of birth, what you need, you're studying. Um, but you may also not realize that you may also have to put down some answers to a couple of questions they may have that may require yeah. some more deeper thinking. For example, I had from memory, I had a question like, what does innovation mean to you? Yeah. Something like that. Mm. Um, so just be prepared for something like that. So the process may take a little bit longer than the cover letter and the CV. After that, you'll maybe asked to do some psychometric testing. So we'll get into that in just a moment, but it'll be something like, you know, a couple of quizzes or maybe some games just to assess your style of thinking. You may then have a phone interview. So they might just sort of filter you through and just sort of just to like see that you are in fact a real person. And then they may invite you to an actual interview. And a lot of the time, this may be an assessment center or an AC, which is what we tend to call it. Um, which is where you might have a couple of group activities, individual tasks, and the interview is often at the same time on the same day as the AC. Um, Or you may have just a separate interview just by itself. Sometimes there's two stages. It might be with HR recruitment or, you know, it might be um, with a director or a partner. Um, And then hopefully if that all goes well, then you will end up in your internship and we will get to the very, when, when we get to the end, we will also talk about, what the internship itself is like but that's just a nutshell process I don't know if there's anything else you might want to add Michelle to that outline um I guess I just add that for some firms so this isn't um across board and I will mention now yeah it differs the general outline that Sasha just went through is um 
most firms will follow that. Um, there might be some deviations in like the interview, like whether or not they do two um, or one or stuff like that, but everything else is pretty much the same. There is one thing that for some particular, um, I know economics advisory does this quite a bit, but they might require some reading, uh, sorry, writing or research pieces as well to be submitted in the process. Um, and then it, I think also from hearing a from other people's experiences, you might have the same sort of thing for consulting where you might have to um, talk through a case or stuff like that. So there are some deviations here and there, um, but I think for the most part, that process that Sasha just went through is yeah what you might you should be expecting when you start applying. Yep. All right, let's dig into the nitty gritty of this whole process. And we are going to, yep. I feel like this is probably going to be our longest podcast by far because we want to mm. make sure that we cover it um, this is advice that we wish we'd received when we were going through the whole 100%. process. So hopefully you guys are all on board for this, but let's get started yes. with preparing our CV and cover letters, Michelle. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I feel like you maybe have already heard a lot of these tips, but, um, we're just going to reemphasize it cause it's really, really important. So for your cover letter, firstly, um, make sure that it is not longer than two pages. It is... It re- you really don't realize how many people are applying for things um, until you hear a recru- recruiter talk about reading through 800 applications or something. So when you hear about it in that way, you know that they really don't have that much time to flick through your CV. So make sure that you get your most important points down in one page if you can, um, two pages at the absolute most, um, and make sure that they're, um, you know, no work experience is irrelevant, but make sure that you're putting the ones that you think will be the most persuasive for your role at the front or like at the beginning so that you really catch their eye when they're flicking through. Um, And then with the cover letter, same thing. Don't try to um, make it too, too long, but you know, they just won't maybe have the time to fully read through it if you do make it ridiculously long. Um, make sure it's like about a page and it's really tailored to the firm that you're applying for. Um, recruiters have been, you know, in their jobs for a long time and they can really clearly spot spot a copy and paste job. Um, I have definitely found that because the ones I have copied and pasted have not worked. <laughs> um, so take that from me, don't copy and paste. Um, just whip something up, like use maybe similar structure and use similar like experiences to show you have the skills and whatnot. But um, when you're saying why you want to apply for somewhere, make sure you're writing that from scratch and so you can really show that you want to be there. Yeah, I think that's really, really important. And if anything, I would say one thing, this was particularly important, I realized when applying for law firms, but I'm pretty sure that the same thing would go for economics and and, um, just commerce firms in general, is that the shorter it is, it's usually the better it is. Because firstly, Mm -hmm. like Michelle said, recruiters do not have time to read through everything. Even if you're outlining, outlining all of your experiences, they just don't have time to process it. But what's more important is if you can convey your points in like in one page, or in Mm -hmm. terms of a CV, I think two pages is is fairly standard. But if you can get everything in your cover letter into one page with fairly short paragraphs, it shows that you can actually convey a point clearly and concisely. And a lot of the time when you're working in the industry, you'll often be delivering pieces of information to clients or publishing them on your website. And you'll be expected to to deliver really complex information in really short sentences, clear, easy to understand, um, and yet in, in in a strict word limit. I think that's why uni really gives us these strict word limits yeah. even when we're just preparing us for things like that. So trying to make sure that you are cl- clearly communicating everything 
I used to ramble on quite a bit and I think you can tell through my podcast, I talk so much, (laughs) but like that's what you have to, in your cover letters, make sure that your sentences are quite short and simple, clear, easy to understand so that the person isn't rambling through your thoughts with you. Um, Yeah. And I think what Michelle said was really useful in terms of the structure, having a structure that you can easily tweak. And so that doesn't mean copy and pasting, but you know, having a kind of structure, what I tended to follow was dear recruitment and also try to find the name of the recruitment person and address them by name where possible. Um, instead of just saying dear EY or dear recruitment Mm. or something like that, um, use their name where possible. Um, I used to say, I used to have a paragraph about why I wanted to apply for that firm. And what I felt was quite useful was going through their website, finding out what they're really passionate about Mm. or what they say makes them stand out. And I would always amend that for whichever place I was applying for. After that, I would have a um, paragraph that tended to be quite copy and paste of these, the work experience skills I have these, and then a second paragraph, these are the extracurricular skills I have. And then maybe something about my personal values or how I think they might align Mm -hmm. with the culture of the firm. So they tended to be fairly copy and paste, but what I would do is I would pick out different skills from my work experience or from my extracurriculars that I think would be quite relevant for the firm that I was applying for. So, um, I think obviously like recruiters know that you're probably going to be applying for more places um, than just them. So I think that's okay, but making sure that you, what you're saying is relevant to what you're applying for is super important and actually telling the firm why you're interested in applying for them and why you would enjoy it more than just any other firm that you are applying Mm. for. Yeah. And I think um, I might just jump in here and also I mean, just something that we probably should have talked about before, but make sure that when you're choosing where to apply for, you really, really do want to work there. Um, I will say I've gone and I've had two internships, but I've applied for who knows how many I've applied. Like, I don't even want to know the number of places I've applied for unsuccessfully. Um, and I think the clear difference between the two that I did get and the ones that I got rejected for was that I definitely was more passionate about the two, um, that I ended up getting. Like you could tell in the way that I wrote my cover letter that I wanted to be there and there were actual reasons that I wanted to be there. So for government, I really wanted to see how that worked. I wanted to see what the policy process was like. And I genuinely have a, like a strong interest in public policy, which I think came through clearly in my cover letter. Um, and whereas where I was applying for sometimes even just random things, like I'd be applying for, a comp like a software company in there like co- like commerce department and like I didn't really particularly want to be there but I thought that you know I should just apply for every internship that I could find to like boost my chances it doesn't work like that you they'll, they'll be able to tell when you can't like you know string together any sentence about why you want to work at a software company where you don't know anything about software they can tell through the um through your application so yeah just be selective with what you're applying for and make sure that you there are reasons you want to work there beyond merely getting any internship like it doesn't have to be super specific because you never know what a firm has to offer until you get there but make sure it's something like they they've got projects that you've maybe heard about in the past or the team that you're applying for is something that you're really interested in you're not just interested in getting something that says internship done So yeah, maybe just keep that in mind as well when applying. Yeah, I think that's super important. And I think that um, obviously there, it, 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 to some extent it is a numbers game because there are so, there's so many applicants and I'm sure that everyone's heard it before, but there are so many applicants, not enough internship or grad roles. So I think 
by by that very nature, I and Michelle clearly really wanted to apply for as many places as possible to increase our odds. But if you know that you're not going to enjoy it and there's the only reason you're doing it is just to have something on your resume, it's not worth spending that time on unless you can justify it. And so for me, I wasn't clearly... I wasn't particularly sure on what I wanted to do and I wanted to keep my options open. And so I did apply for a lot of places that I wasn't really sure about, but, um, they had something that I, I could say to myself, I wanted to work there to experience this. Yeah. And I think that's, there's a difference between keeping your options open and applying for something just for the sake of it, even you, though, you know, you are not interested in it at all. Yeah. And I think not knowing exactly what you want to do or doing something because you just want to have a go at it, um, is okay. As long as you're honest about it. And I think that recruiters mm-hmm. would appreciate the, um, the sincereness and the, the, you know, just being honest and open-minded as, as opposed to yeah. going to the interview and being like, well, I don't really know what it is. I don't really know if I want to do it, but I want to give yeah. it a go. There's a difference between that and you're genuinely being curious, which we'll get yeah. into in the actual interview process. But I think a very important point that Michelle raised. Um, so hopefully that outlines the CV and the cover. Oh, one thing before we move on from that, please check for typos and spelling oh, yes. mistakes. I will, I mean, I have a positive story to come out of it. I did <laughs> apply for a place. And after I submitted that, I realized I actually had one, I think I wrote the wrong date. I think I said I was applying for like the, like the 2018 program when it was the 2019, something like that. I know. And thankfully <laughs> did. Okay. Did, I'm glad it's a positive story. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Thankfully it did work out. Um, but I, the panic I went through mm. once I realized that, please, please learn from my mistake. Triple yep. check. Ask someone else to check it for any spelling mm. or typos, things that don't make sense. Please, please, please check through typos and things like that. Um, spelling mistakes, uh, the works. Even just having someone look over your cover letter and just outline to you, this sentence doesn't make sense or this is too long. Mm. I don't understand what you're saying there. That is super, super important and useful. Um, but yeah, please, 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 please please proofread everything. Um, let's go through to yep. psychometric testing. Cool. Um, so with this one, yeah, it's also very daunting if you've not done any psychometric testing and you get sent your like first one in your email. Um, but basically, yeah, once you in, send your CV and cover letter process, um, you might be invited to do psychometric t- testing. And so uh, firms will differ on how they do this. Sometimes they'll send it to everyone who applies with the CV and cover letter. Sometimes they'll do like a first step screening process as well. So um, just, yeah, so you might get it, you might not. Um, but yeah, so it's very different across firms. That's one thing you will maybe find if you're applying for um, a variety of firms. Each will have their own testing method and um, they'll often use very different platforms as well. So it's it's an interesting process. There's ones which kind of seem like games and they're like testing your um, memory or testing, I don't know, like how fast you can click on the color balloon that matches <laughs> to the color that they have on the screen or something like that. Um, and then other ones are more traditional sort of mathematics, um, um, English comprehension, and then like a general, almost like IQ test one, which I hate. Like when they're like, which comes next, which pattern comes next and thing. I'm like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but sometimes they'll have like that more traditional route. And then sometimes they have really weird ones as well. Um, I've done a couple where they're like, they give you it seems like a game but then it makes no sense and you're trying to like figure out a process or you're like trying to like crack a code or something like that um and those are really difficult and like 
to be honest, the entire psychometric testing is very difficult because you kind of prove yourself in, I don't know, half an hour to the testing or whatnot. Um, but, you know, just give it your best go. I would say a lot of the times when they send you testing, they'll send you a practice test along with it. Definitely do that. Do that. Like, take your time, do the practice test so you know what the kind of questions are going to look like and you get at least, you know, a chance to see what you're dealing with. Um, and then also just, yeah, psychometric testing is important, but it's also kind of like grades, how we talked about before. They're not the be-all or end-all either. So if it goes really badly, you know have hope, hope you never know what they're kind of looking for and to be honest it just yeah it's kind of an interesting show of your um abilities like I understand that you need it but just do your best and make sure you practice yeah I think that I had a very similar experience to the psychometric testing that Michelle had and if anything I was actually asking her about the process because she tended to apply for the applications a little bit before me or with her pre-penultimate programs she'd kind of had a bit more experience with the psychometric psychometric testing than I had so um, one thing that I found really helped me was talking to someone who has been through the process before um, I also went online and I searched on Google um, practice psychometric tests um, there are some programs that um, ask you to pay for them I didn't do that I thought I'll, I'll get just a sense of what's going on through the free programs and so I did that and I really liked the variety that um, there actually was when I did the psychometric testing when I was actually applying for the process because like Michelle said there were a couple that were all about the um, you know standard kind of verbal numerical reasoning but then there were also really fun ones like the game ones that Michelle suggested which sound like you're not actually doing anything important but what I realized was that it's actually testing your character and your personality um for example you know if you're pressing the balloon really rapidly it might be about you know how quick thinking you are or on the opposite hand you know maybe they would prefer someone who's a little bit more um reserved and thinks about the decision uh, before they make it how some of the games are about how risk averse you are and that might be good for one sector and it might not be as good for another sector um so I thought those games were super fun and interesting. What I would preface as well, and it's sort of similar to what Michelle was saying in terms of, you know, the practice psychometric testing isn't the be all end all. It doesn't mean you are a bad person if you do not pass the psychometric testing. Mm. Um, and I, I want to share my experience with one of them just to kind of alleviate everyone's nerves. Because what I found is that these psychometric tests are trying to ascertain your personality and how you think and how you respond to different situations. And sort of what I was saying before, that it may be really useful for one area that you are applying for, but not very useful for another area that you are applying for. So as an example, one of the places I applied for offered both a commerce internship and a law internship. And so what ended up happening was I applied for the commerce um, one earlier in the year, just as the applications were then, but then also I applied for it later on for a legal internship later in the year. But they used the same psychometric testing for both of them and what ended up happening was they actually saved my results from the commerce internship and um, used them for the legal internship uh, application if that makes sense and I had applied for um, a particular area in the commerce internship and immediately got a response back after psychometric testing saying I wasn't the right fit for the role. I was devastated. And so when I was going into the application for the legal process, I was thinking, oh, great, they're going to use the same results as before. I'm going to fail this time again without having a chance to prove myself again. And funnily enough, as soon as I clicked send through my results from last time because I had no choice, I immediately got a response back saying, we'd like to invite you to the video interview. And so what that showed me is I actually 
you know, whether or not we necessarily know what is behind their reasoning with these psychometric testing, there is something that they are looking for. And just because you're not the right fit for one area, they may see you as a great fit for something else. So even if, you know, you don't get a second chance to prove yourself, um, as I managed to, um, because I was applying for something else, I think what that shows is you really do need to think about what area you are applying for. And I think that particularly when you're looking at something like the big four or maybe the banks as well, when there are so many different areas you can apply for, whether that be tax, whether that can be consulting or whether it's like the accounting stream or sustainability department or something like that. Really think about what you're applying for and why you might be applying for it and try to pick something that you're actually good at. Because a lot of time, I think I was rejected after psychometric testing because my brain just didn't think in the right way for that particular stream. And that company may have loved me for a different spot that I just didn't know about. So hopefully that makes you feel a little bit better that story um but yeah just becoming familiar with the process and um yeah doing those example games online I think really helped me hey this is future Sasha and Michelle we have just finished recording um the full podcast about going through the internship process and we have realized it's a long boy and so I think we've, <laughs> we've realized it's probably a good idea to finish it up around here finish part one here just so that you guys have enough time to process what's going on um, and come back to part two a little bit more refreshed and so we'll end it here with psychometric testing and then in part two we'll look at assessment centers including what they really are the actual interview process and how to do well in that and also uh, we'll finish up by talking a little bit more about our internship experiences themselves and how to do well on them Cool. Um, so yeah, leaving you guys on a little bit of a cliffhanger, but um, <laughs> hopefully you guys tune back in next week for um, part two of internships. Thanks.